Hi everyone, this is the second episode of the second season of the Pedal Podcast and I had a really, really fascinating um, character with me, Mike Dale, who's, um, who I'm pretty sure no one really has to look up because um, his name is popping up because of the Pedal Paper. He's the, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's the lead editor of the Pedal Paper and he has all these amazing articles about Pedal. He um, has a squash background. He has been uh, writing um, a lot of um, articles about squash, uh, his life, and he is um, a squash player originally, but now plays a lot of pedal. Unfortunately, he has a um, tennis elbow at the moment because of pedal, because the, the rackets are just too heavy for that. But also, he's... Um, He's a sport journalist. Um, he writes about paddle. He writes about squash, and now he's also writing about um, pickleball, which we touch on the podcast. It has been a fascinating episode. I have to say that he's a great guy, and and we had a really really good chat. and And I wish um, that we can uh, uh, start again as well. But we we will. I'm I'm pretty sure that we will keep in touch anyway. But yeah, please do enjoy. Uh, it has been a pleasure for me to record it, and hopefully you will like it um, to to just listen to it. But yeah, if uh, if you would like to give us um, any sort of feedback, uh, we are more than open for that. And um, enjoy it, please. Um, let us know um, if you liked it, who you would like to see on the podcast, and uh, yeah, just enjoy. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pedal Podcast. This is season two now. Um, I was a bit cheeky with the with the previous episode because I recorded it last November or December, but um, we are starting with a bang. So this is the second episode of the second season, and I've got Mike Dale with me. And Mike, um, I really don't have to introduce you to anyone in the UK because you're like the main editor of the Pedal Paper, uh, but I do... Obviously, you know, as 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 people now got to know my show, um, I do an introduction before we actually start chatting because I don't really like the the sort of first question of like, oh, can you introduce yourself for the re- listeners? So I, I'm more like I, um, you know, you're you're one of those guys who I don't really have to um, introduce anyway, but I will stu- still do a, an introduction. Welcome. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. First question, which is always the same question, uh, how did you get into pedal? Well, probably a little different to everybody else because I, I was writing about it before I'd even lifted up a racket. Uh, <laughs> I'm a squash player, a lifelong squash player, and uh, all my career I've been a sports journalist, and um, I've been writing about squash for over a decade and uh, and just diversified from... From, well, not from squash, I'm still doing squash journalism, but they diversified into paddle about 18 months ago uh, through um, Ollie Morgan, who's the owner of the paddle paper and who is involved in squash circles. So I started writing for a website called Squash Mad, uh, which Ollie is the owner of, and uh, then he asked me to 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 go on to write about to, to write about paddle as well. So I've been writing about paddle for, as I say, 18 months, and obviously getting immersed into the world of paddle uh, and being a squash player. And coincidentally, two paddle courts being built at my squash club, which is Chapel Allerton in Leeds, for those who know it. Um, suddenly I was playing as well as writing about it. And uh, just like everybody else, you know, just uh, absolutely love it. So, yeah, so so I'm a, I'm a sort of rookie paddle player. 
Um, but uh, I love writing about the game and also love playing it. Yeah, no, it, I, I do tend to think, um, I mean, I've been writing a few articles. I don't, I wouldn't call myself anything of a writer or a journalist or anything like that, but I do like the media. And I think it's, it's really vital for people to still read <laughs> if you know what i mean and it, yeah. and it's not just like the snippets of 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 like tiktok or or instagram or that sort of thing when 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 people are like uh you know scrolling through things i really like the fact that you're still going on with articles and and i do obviously read the pedal paper and and i was always hoping that I, one day i will i will have an interview in the pedal paper um so but before i did that i, I was like okay let's get mike daly <laughs> into the podcast because i think it's it's really it's really important to talk about these um these uh that the situation in general um of pedal in the uk um and and now, so you said that before we started recording, you said that um, you have a, a tennis elbow, which I I assume is more like a squash elbow, if uh, if we would uh, say that, because you haven't really, have you played tennis or or do you have any sort of tennis background? Not really. No, no, no. I played it as a as a kid, and uh, I played it during the during the lockdowns. Because it was the only thing we were allowed to play. You weren't allowed to play squash for obvious reasons. <laughs> that's probably not. A, that's probably not a less COVID-friendly sport than squash. But uh, so I did play it during the lockdowns. But um, but as for the tennis elbow, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a medical study to be done about squash players being more susceptible to tennis elbow playing paddle than tennis players, if that makes sense. Because we're very risky and we're very good at getting the ball out of the back corners and off the back wall. We're hopeless at the net, of course. But like doing that very risky work out of the back corners, which is easy with a squash, rack, squash racket, is not quite so easy with a heavier, funkier paddle racket, right? And the reverberations that go up your forearm and into your elbow when you play paddle shots, when you play, sorry, pardon me, when you play paddle with a squash technique, which is what I've been doing wrongly, has the effect that it's had on me, which is absolutely chronic elbow pain. And I'm probably playing with a with a cheap racket as well, which doesn't help. But uh, there's, def there's definitely some research to be done there. Do squash players with their wristy approach to the, to the sport give themselves tennis elbow more often than tennis players playing paddle? There you go. Someone, someone com commission some research, Dennis. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually always toying with the idea of doing a PhD in sports, so I might I might look into that one, but... <laughs> I don't there think I will anyway, but yeah, I I think it's uh, it's interesting you say two things about the racket and and how you use it, uh, because there's around 140 130 grams difference between a, a paddle racket and a squash racket, which yeah. which must be absolutely ridiculously hard because like tennis, yeah, it's like 20 grams lighter, but it's it's you know the 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 shots are like uh, continental um tennis shots from the back of the court and the volleys yes they're similar and if you have a really good tennis volley you will be pretty good in in paddle but you need to have um a certain technique to to be even better so i mean that's why i just said to you as well that like when i started um the whole paddle career um i was the first four or five times everyone from tennis thinks that they've got it figured out because obviously they're playing to a level 
you know, they've got like good smashes, good volleys, and it just like works. But once once you actually figure out that, okay, what to do with these walls around you, like how to use them. And I'm not even talking about the boasts because like, I think that's such a, such a great shot. And, and um, you need to, you need to have the whole arsenal. Um, why? So was it, was it like a really natural conclusion to, to start writing about pedal or was it like something which really, really interested you as well on how this new sport will take over the UK? Uh, yeah, both of those things really, Dennis. Because uh, the most the most clear and instant thing that I noticed when entering the panel world, I guess, is is the difference in uh, levels of uh, optimism and uh, dynamism from the world of squash. That's not to denigrate squash, but squash is an old sport, and unfortunately, participation in squash is. is is reducing in the UK, not all, not in all countries. Let's not be too negative, but in the UK, it is courts are being bulldozed to make gyms <laughs> and paddle courts, and uh, uh, and you know. So when you speak to people within squash, there, there's a there's a sort of a, a general pessimism. There's uh, there's a sort of an old average age, generally. Um, uh, I'm talking at grassroots level here. So, you know, but there, there are pockets of dynamism. There are pockets of people doing great community work, great coaching programs. However, when you go across the paddle, of course, as we all know, people can't throw money at paddle quickly enough. Like, you know, uh, it's booming and there's a whole different feeling around the sport. And that was one of the first things I noticed. And as a journalist, you know, that makes it so much easier. People are dying to get in touch with you. You know, you're getting emails every day. Can you write a story about this, about that, about this club opening, about this innovation? And it's a it's a sport which has only really properly existed, obviously, in this country for a couple of years, really. So, so a lot of things, and so you've got lots of new things. Everything is new. You know, like I did a story like in my first couple of weeks in the in the job about the first paddle club at a university, the first paddle uh, courts at a university. Um, I don't know, think of another example, like the first LGBT paddle club, you know, in the country, you know, all these firsts. And all these people are just so, like, just full of vim, full of vigour and enthusiasm for the sport. And it's just, like, it was so refreshing. Uh, and, you know, so, so that, people being dead keen to talk to you, everybody's very accessible. Generally, there's no... You know, because because it's such a young sport, there's there's no kind of, uh, let's say you wanted to you want an interview with Rof, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, you haven't got a chance, you know. But I can pick up the phone to the British number one or whoever, you know. Um, so to, to the accessibility was refreshing as well, and the fact that um, you know, there's just there's just as a journalist, there's just so many stories. Um, and so much to write about, which is great. I mean, there's lots to write about in squash as well. But as I say, it's it's the freshness and the newness of paddle, which was really interesting. Um, and the fact that all this infrastructure is just getting off the ground. You know, like I was talking to someone the other day. And I write um, in squash. I write roundups of the the Yorkshire Premier League, which is like one of the biggest regional club leagues in in the country. Um, you know that infrastructure does not yet exist in paddle. Like there's no, the first ever county championship was only last year. Uh, whereas in squash, these things have been going for 50, 60 years. You know, so all that stuff is just getting off the ground. Um, 
and it's you know it's been a pleasure to sort of to cover to speak to the people who are getting that stuff going and getting that activity going um so yeah it's it's, it's been terrific yeah, it's uh, it's a great journey, and and you know I can just uh, speak for myself as well. I started this podcast be be before this. I, I was doing a tennis podcast, uh, co-hosting with uh, with um, Jonas um, Eriksson, who's uh, who's the tennis nerd. I don't know if you if you heard of him. He's he's a lovely chap, and and uh, we've been uh, doing it for almost a year. But uh, but when when we broke it up. Um, I was sort of wondering on what I should do. And, um, and I was, I was at the same, same level as what you're saying that it's, it's, there were a few uh, podcasts in the topic, but there's so many interesting people around from different backgrounds. So it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, if, if you're, if you're connected to tennis, you've always been in tennis. If you're connected to football, you're always been in football. Um, all of us are coming from a totally different background in terms of like, you're, you're a journalist by trade. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a sports manager by, by degree and, and, and I've been always in sales and, and, um, and that's why it's interesting now to see on, on how it is evolving. And the whole sport is, is just like, it took the UK by storm. And while we are now talking, it's it's gonna be on on national TV as well, the Hexagon Cup, which which is which is another milestone as well. What really surprised me is um BT Sport had the coverage of the WPT uh two years ago, and somehow they just haven't renewed it for 2023, which is I mean, I know that they are now TNT Sport, but I don't think it has to do anything with with the um, with the contracts. So it's just really strange to see that like they had they had the the contract and then they just sort of gave it up. Um, and it was great to to watch on TV. To be fair, it's better than to watch it on YouTube and or 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 like the WPT app. And and who knows what's going to happen with the Premier Pedal now? Yeah, I. I want to pick your brain on that one as well because I think it's it's pretty interesting that obviously the Spanish have like a 10 plus year advantage but it it looks like it is needed to actually start from from grassroots cuz it doesn't matter that now we've got a few players who do practice either either Hungary or or the UK that that they they do go out and and train in in Spain they're still a million miles away. How long will it take, you reckon, until anyone else apart from the Latin nations will produce a good pedal player, like a proper good pedal player? Like yeah. A M1? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good question. I think, like, uh, it's a numbers game, Dennis, really. It's a numbers game. Someone that it, it was, I mean, just, just harking back to squash, I was talking to, Sarah Fitzgerald, who your audience might not know who she is, but she's a five times uh, world squash champion about the Olympics and about squash. Her view was it you have to produce 10,000 players. Ten, you have to get 10,000 juniors to produce 100 who are very good, to produce 10 who turn professional, to produce one who gets into the world top 10, let's say. So it's a numbers game. Have we got 10,000 juniors playing paddle? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, we haven't. Um, we've got, um, I think, five professional players in the UK now. Uh, and I think I might be right in saying that uh, 
at least two. Uh, let me think. Well, they've all got. Amy Gibson's got a tennis background. Sam Jones has. Um, uh, He's he's Tim a tennis Norton. player as well. He's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. He was okay. on the podcast. So we've got Tim Norton's ex tennis. Although you know she she's a she was an early adopter adopter of the panel. So we've got guys who are sort of tennis background who converted. Um, so, uh, and you know they're going to Spain as you say. The LTA are funding them to go to Spain and 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 do training out there. And you know that's great. Um, we haven't yet got anybody in the top one hundred. Um, but. It, it will take time. As I say, it's a numbers game. So you have to, the infrastructure, the coaching, the, the amount of coaches, the quality of coaches, the number of courts. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. 300 courts, no. Um, and and the paddle playing population of the UK, what's the average age, would you say? Yeah, well, at the moment, it's definitely not towards the 30s. I would I would say that they like to be... Um, I, I, I... 50 55 yeah, exactly so you know it it may be slightly slightly smaller slightly lower than that but we're we're talking over 30 i would imagine so until that reduces until that average age reduces and we we get lots of young people playing the game and and bring about a groundswell of uh, young people who uh, who 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 get good tuition good coaching good grounding um, then we ain't going to trouble the top ten of the world rankings. Like, I mean, that's no, that's no, that's not to be negative on anybody. We just, we just don't have the, the history and the infrastructure yet. We, we are still talking. We, let's not delude ourselves. We, we, we both talk paddle and talk paddle every day, and we, we're immersed in this world of paddle. It's still niche. It's still very niche. Lots of people still haven't heard of it. And to us, it seems amazing that people haven't heard of it. But when I went to get treatment on my tennis elbow the other day, the the, the physio had never heard of paddle. A sports physio had never heard of paddle. Like, so, you know, that shows you, like, we're still niche. So, um, you know, it's early days and nobody's to blame that we haven't got a player in the top 100 yet. Like this is, this is not a blame game. We're, we're just, it's, we are very, uh, we know we're even behind countries like France, the Netherlands, Belgium. Like we haven't got as many courts as them. We're behind the curve. Um, and again, it's nobody's fault. It's just where we are. You know, it's just where we are. We're ahead of some, you know, we're ahead of Australia, New Zealand. We're ahead of, uh, I don't know, like of others, but we are where we are at this point. Um, but, um, you know, with the amount of glass walls that are flying up all over the country, um, the amount of coaches that are becoming qualified with the LTA, um, we've got good people in place, uh, you know, at the top of the game. So we'll get there. Um, but it, uh, to answer your question, Dennis, it, it's not necessarily going to be a, a rapid. You can't fast track this stuff, you know. <laughs> um uh, it, it, it's not going to be quick. But uh, with the next generation, like, you know, I noticed that they're the first, they had the first junior training camp before Christmas, you know, the LTA did. And there has been criticism. I spoke to people who've, who've been critical of the LTA about getting this junior infrastructure off the ground. You know, where are the competitions for kids to play in? Um, if you're a great, if you're a great tennis player, like Ollie, uh, sorry, a great paddle player, like young Ollie Grant, who people will know. Like, where does he go? Who's he going to play? Like there, there's just there's there's not the depth, there's not the depth of the infrastructure. But it will come. Uh, yeah. 20, 2024 is a big 
big, big year for the sport. Like all that stuff will start to evolve this year um, and over the over the coming years. And that's when like the best young players will be sort of find themselves really improving uh, and start bloodying the nose of a few uh, European players on the junior scene when we get a junior a national junior team together there ain't even a national junior team <laughs> you want to find out where why why we're not in the top 100 we haven't even got a national junior team yet like there's a there's a European junior championships this year are we going to go probably not um, so we're, we're not even going to the European junior championships like it's too early it's too early like so yeah yeah I mean you 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 just said the two years and I think you know, I I can always just obviously as as most people, I I can just um see how I got to know this sport and you know as as a as a proper tennis enthusiast as I am and and you know I've I'm I'm a proper um you know I I follow um the gear the, the players the rumors all that in in tennis and and even with this sort of tennis background and and it was interesting you said that most of the um, most of the pro professional um, players in the UK have tennis background. Even the pros, like you know Gemma Triai, um, Jose Maria, um, Paquito, all those guys have tennis background, possibly as well. And not just possibly, but I know that they do. So it's it's just it's it's not a it's not a problem. It's just more about like okay, so that's when the really good coaches come in. And I love that um, I had Emma Kimber on on the pod, and uh, she I always I always go back to her quote because um, she said that we need more of everything, and I think she's right. We 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 definitely need more of everything. Like we need more juniors as well. Um, and and once we have the juniors, and and they are they're really really get get going, and and you know there's gonna be like a proper competition for that, and hopefully not with with the mistakes of the LTA and I'm not saying good or bad, but I, I, I usually hear that it's, it's not an easy system to go through with the nationals, with the, with the great twos, with the great threes and all that. I hope, I hope that these mistakes will be addressed and, and it will be a lot easier for, for the, um, the British juniors to actually get going. And I see the same thing in Hungary. Cause I think it's, it's pretty similar, the situation there. Uh, there are, you know, just a handful of players who are not even professional. They're young, so they they just go to uni and they can they can they have fairly wealthy parents, so they can obviously play as much as pretty much they want. But but they but like it's it's also interesting, and and I wanted to to reflect on that one as well. You said um, that uh, it's really easy to watch battle, and at the moment. Yes, there isn't a lot of coverage. It's great that the ITV is is now doing the Hexagon Cup, but the prize money is just silly low. It's it's not even even for for the professionals, even for the top ten. Um, Pablo Garcia of El Quatro Set or El Four Set or the Four Set or whatever how you want to call it. He he did a video of of all the all the best players uh, prize money and literally i mean we're talking about quite a lot of money but you know the the top 10 like number 10 earns something like 100,000 euros for the whole year yes they're possibly not living from the prize money but until that changes and i'm i'm pretty sure that the premier pedal will 
make a massive change. But it was it was an interesting one that um, uh, Djokovic's uh, world was that the the the, the ATP Finals um, title was more than the whole of the World Pedal Tours yearly prize money, <laughs> which is just stunning. So until these things happen, and hopefully for a better reason, or or hopefully will be, there's not going to be that much of a gap between the top 100 and the top 10, as let's say in tennis, or the top 1,000, or you know when you look at the Fit Pro, the Fit Rise, and all, all those all those amazing um, tournaments, it's a lot more expensive to travel out there than what you can actually renew, re recuperate. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, you're right. Yeah, it goes back to the thing of not deluding ourselves. It's still niche. Uh, you know, I was interested to us watching some highlights of yesterday's Hexagon Cup. You know, obviously it's for day one, but it's been mega hyped, but there was nobody there. And the A1 paddle event in, in Central Park in New York, amazing looking uh court and the panoramics were amazing but nobody went um so uh it, 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 it well it's, let's not delude ourselves this is we're not talking tennis levels yet you know like there's a lot of empty seats at these at these events and you know the ppl over in america in america last summer you know obviously it was the first one it's america it's very niche over there but uh, even Daddy Yankee couldn't pull in the crowds over there, could he? Um, nobody went even to the final. Lots of empty seats. It's not a great look, but again, it we're early. We're early stages, you know, of these um, new territories for paddle. Yeah. You know, Spain. Sp Spain, fine. You know, like we, we know about Spain. You know, there's more paddle courts and tennis courts in Spain, and that's where they are. But like we are where we are, which is nobody knows what the hell paddle is like <laughs> that's you know that's that's the stage we're at um and as i say this year is is going to be a big year for paddle spreading awareness um uh, more courts and everything else so you know it will we will get there you know everybody will know a lot more people will know what paddle is this christmas than they did last christmas let's put it that way yeah hopefully everyone will ask for a paddle racket under the christmas tree it, that's right. It, it'd be like that Christmas where, you know, everybody got a mobile phone, you know, like yeah. there was that. Yeah, it, we'll you, you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but maybe it was like 2001, two, maybe something like that. I do, I do remember. It. I, I, I don't, I, yeah. I, I get it a lot of time that I don't look the part, but I, I do, I do remember it quite well. I was, I was yeah. at um, secondary school by then. So, so absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, was craving for like a mobile phone myself as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, who knows? Maybe th th this Christmas will be the one. And my son wanted a paddle racket for Christmas last year. This year just gone. And uh, I thought, well, that's a good sign. You know, he's 15. So like that generation are slowly, slowly recognizing what paddle is. Look, it's I think it's it's such a such an like we, you you said about the average age of paddle and I and I can see it and 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 I actually had um, a chat with a really good friend of mine who's um, who wasn't really he's still not really poised by by paddle but he's a great tennis player uh, we still play and um, I'm I'm saying he's like you know he has a really high quality Thursdays doubles with his mates and they're like over 50s but it's still really good tennis and i sometimes play with them and um and it was an interesting one because he was saying that 
um, there's two David Lloyds in three actually in Bristol, but two around our area. And and the one in Long Ashton, it had a lot of lot of empty indoor tennis courts, and they were playing outdoors in Westbury Paddle. And and he was surprised. And I was like, why are you surprised? It's so much easier to play pedal. If you think about it, yes, if you don't play proper pedal, if you stay in the back and just rally, it is a really easy thing to do because like it's hard to miss the ball. It's a lot softer racket than a tennis racket. Um, it's 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 a bigger sweet spot. It's a shorter racket, so it's easier to to hit the ball. So I can a hundred percent appreciate why people do put down tennis rackets, pick up pedal bats or pedal rackets, and go on a pedal court and and start playing. Because even if because it's enjoyable, you can rally after like you know you you play just two times, and and tennis after three years you might be able to. Same with squash in a way. I mean, you can rally because you've got a wall against you with like maybe a you know I, I don't know a blue ball. You you can you can muck around and it's fun and and the same with racquetball as well. But it's still you you may and it's doubles as well paddle. So these are these are the things why I think it's 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 a great sport and it will gain a lot of ground but it's it's actually quite interesting you say that it's niche and i i i do feel the same because i i think you know i i get all the feedback that this is this is something great and i should keep going about the podcast i'm struggling as well because like why would you i i only just put the energy in for the last year yeah it opened some doors i i get to to speak to really really interesting people and that's that's definitely the plus part of it but it's a lot of work and and I don't see any benefit for that reason. You know, I, I just do the work because I, I like to talk to people. I like to to do something which is which is memorable, which which will, you know, uh, make this sport uh, bigger, more important, more um, noteworthy. Hopefully I can do a really, 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 really tiny part. But if I do a really tiny part, and and if we all do a, a, a tiny part, it will come together and more people will know about it. And hopefully that physio who you mentioned will know about it as well soon. <laughs> now he knows, but or she. Um but but I think it's it's such it, it's it's so early days and it and it's just crazy because for me, I, I live in Bristol, so for me, paddle is everywhere. Everyone is talking about paddle, all the paddle courts are full, and it's great to see. I mean, usually after like six o'clock, but it's, it's, it's still so early. Like no one should forget that. And, and when we, when we were talking about Central Park, when we were talking about, um, there was a, an article about like Wimbledon that is going to be on center court and all that. Is it really the way to go? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. May Yeah. In Spain. Yeah. But when you said that as well, like, Madrid hexagon cup is in Madrid and there yeah. were empty seats yeah lots of them as why well why is that I mean, yeah why is that <laughs> I don't know you would have thought if they could fill the seats anywhere it would be it would be Madrid especially with uh, Robert Lewandowski playing and 
uh, Andy Murray's involved. Well, Robert Lowe's obviously not playing; he's a team owner. But uh, Andy Murray and so that so they've got uh, a little bit of razzmatazz involved to try and you know hook the general public in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's day one. Yeah, maybe I know, it, I know, I know. And, and sorry, that that was I put you on the spot with that. To be fair, but but the the thing is, it's it's more like a rhetor rhetorical question rather than anything yeah. else. Is uh, um, look. You live in pedal. I live in pedal. We know everything about pedal. There is to know on the internet, on on like you know, on the players, on not as not as well as Pablo because like he's he's insane, but he has like in <laughs> internal information, which is which is obviously not something which we can get. I mean, we can get from the British players, and and Sam Jones was was actually a a really nice lad to talk to. But I know Amy is 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 a great someone to talk to and louis harris and and all those guys like shout out to all of them because they're they're just yeah. great and and they are so good ambassadors for the sport as well that it's it's great to see that okay there is a way forward obviously there is a lot of a lot of interesting input from them as well because they're their uh training in in madrid and in valencia and you know all these places so yeah uh, but but yeah it's it's still and that's what we shouldn't and i think what i what i what i'm trying to get to is that we need to learn to walk before we want to run mm -hmm. and and i think it, it like putting it in central park no one will know yes they will know pickleball Hundred percent. Yeah, but the, but a point I was just going to make was that pickleball has got the same pickleball's got the same problem. Like it's it's one of those sports where it it, it you know I think I'm editor of Pickleball Fifty Two as well, so that's another sort of plate that I spin. But you know pickleball, no one goes to watch professional pickleball. <laughs> like no, it, it's a participatory sport. Like if you believe the figures, thirty six million people play pickleball in America. Um. Uh, they have got courts everywhere, you know, absolutely, in, including in Central Park. But no, no one goes to watch it. Nobody goes to watch it. Like, um, and is it one of those things where it's just great to play? You know, it's it's a participatory sport. It's so grassroots that actually no one gives a shit really, like who the world number one is or whatever. People just love playing. You know, like, I don't even know, which is which is weird because you know, I I should I should know these things. But I don't know, you know, who who knows or cares really? Like, I mean, <laughs> uh, and a, a little anecdote. I mean, as part of my work with pickle pickleball in the UK, I went to the um, the English pickleball championships, which was at Bolton Arena. It was in, in October. It was my first introduction to the whole world of pickleball. Uh, like, this is the Brit this is the English championships, and. Um, lovely 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 bunch of people absolutely fantastic what a wonderful community pickleball is but in the men's singles championships the guy that got knocked out in the semis refereed the final and at one point in the final there was a disputed line call and the guy said oh, that was out and he went no no it wasn't and he went oh okay I'll, ch I'll change my mind it, it wasn't out replay the point so you've got like the mate of someone in the final so that that's what we're talking about we're talking about a level of amateurism where and i mean that i don't mean that in a pejorative way you know it, it's amateur as in in you know it's not i'm not saying it's amateurish i'm just saying that that it, it is participatory it's grassroots even up to the top of the uk level 
where, you know, they don't really give a shit uh, about sort of like, you know, um, who actually wins. It's just the fun of playing. It's the fun of playing and it's the community. That's that's the, it, there, there, was, there wasn't uh, big hatreds or rivalries or, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of um, officialdom, pedantry. It was kind of, let's just play. Let's just play. Was it out? It's the final of the England Championships. Was it out? Was it not? No, it's out. Okay, the ball's out. Let's, let's just play on. Let's just play. Let's just enjoy ourselves. So my point is that, you know, um, selling pickleball, selling paddle as, you know, sort of, you, you've got a, it, it's about sort of the, the, the characters, you know, you build that, build up like Djokovic v Federer, you know, or, or you know, Nadal v Federer, all that. The, the marketing and stuff that goes into that, none of that really exists. Like if you if you ask even the top paddle player at uh, Padium or at one of the clubs in Bristol, name the world number one. Like the guy, the British guys are just you know, no one would know. Like you know that they're, they're all just sort of faceless Spaniards really. So it, it's the I think people's appreciate. I think people love paddle. They love playing paddle. We've not yet reached the level where people are really fascinated and interested in what happens on the on the Premier Paddle Tour, on the WPT. Uh, I don't believe in the UK, certainly. We can only speak for the UK. Mm. Are I, we at the level where people really care? I about... think we're getting there. Um, what no, I can I'm say, sure I, look, again, I I took on paddle as I did with tennis. So I'm, I'm different in that perspective because I do do watch a lot of professional paddle. Um, and I know that most of the guys, we do have um, an advanced Wednesday because I tend to think um, around the top 10 in Bristol. We've got a pretty good community here. Like we are getting better and and we play a pretty, pretty okay sort of grade three, borderline grade two level. And and we we do know most of most of the like i i do because that's my hobby but most of the other guys as well they do know who koeo is who tapia is they they do buy their gear as well funnily enough so it already started that way that like for example my favorite is stupa um and and i'm dying to try his racket i mean not necessarily like i i'm not like that much into it but and and I'm almost forty now, so for me, you know, dying for a, a bit of gear is is not really um, happening anymore. But but yeah, I it, it's interesting you say that because I think I don't know anything about pickleball, and I think it's for the best. Um, apart from the fact that they are really pushing it in the states, and there's there's like they had Agassi, they had Jack Sock who's playing, and and Jack Sock was was a really really favorite tennis player of mine, and 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 I love him to bits because I think he's such a great character. Uh, he was uh, ex top ten. Now he started playing professional pickleball. Um, Sam Query, who beat Federer in Wimbledon, he is a professional pickleball player. Um, but as as much as pedal looks like a sport to me, pickleball looks like a game. So yes. for me, it's never going to reach the heights of pedal. That's. Uh, let me tell you that the people in pickleball will very much dispute that. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I like and, uh, but, but that's not to say that I agree with them. 
Um, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I've, not, I've no strong opinion one way or the other, right? particularly. Um, I think they're both great games and um, incredibly playable, um, very easy to pick up. They've both got very similar attributes, really. The difference in pickable is that you can play pickable anywhere. In paddle, you need those four glass walls and they are very expensive. Um, that's the difference. And I think that is making a big difference between the two communities, actually, having experienced both of them. Um, those four glass walls, you know, they are the root of, of a big, a big, uh, what's the word? Division is wrong, but a, di a big difference in the demographics of people that play pickleball and people that play paddle. That's one thing that I've noticed. If I was to make a very big generalisation, and let me just prefix this by saying it is a big generalisation, I would say that paddle is quite white collar and, and pickleball is quite blue collar. That's certainly, for having met people from both communities, that, that would be my observation. Obviously, there are huge amounts of exceptions to that. You know, like there's a lot of working class paddle players. There's a lot of middle yeah, class. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I get that. And, and and it's an interesting one you say that. And to be fair, it's it's something which I, I cannot really make any comment on because I don't know any pickable player, literally, yeah. not one. It, it's to do with the fact that pickable tends to happen in village halls, school assembly halls, Um it's low budget, right? You know, and uh, and and it can happen anywhere. You can play it on a badminton court. You can play it on an empty piece of concrete. So, you know, so by definition, it's low budget. It happens. It can happen anywhere. Um, whereas paddle, once those four glass walls go up, and we both know that they're expensive to 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 put up. So the people that put them up want a return on that investment, pretty sharpish, don't they? So immediately, there's a cost. Um, and that cost tends to be reasonably high and it's prohibitive for quite a lot of people. Like, you know, if I want, I live in Leeds, if I want to play paddle around here, I'm not going to get a game. Uh, I'm not going to get much change out of 30 quid, you know, for, for, for a court for an hour. Right. So immediately there's a barrier there. Like, and paddle can't help that. There has to be a chance to play paddle, like, because, because it's expensive to, to, to host. So that tends to then be a barrier for, you know, quite a lot of people really, cost-wise. Therefore, you're only going to get, you know, people for whom it is affordable to go and play paddle regularly. So so that's what kind of what leads to that slightly different demographic. Um, and then, you know, you've got places like Palium where, you know, you know the location of it and the the, the, the luxury and the grand and the, on the opulence of it, you know, it's pretty obvious what sort of demographic they're appealing to there. And, you know, Places are amazing, don't get me wrong, but, you know, places like that give Paddle a certain image uh, of exclusivity and, uh, and you know, to, to a certain tranche of people that might seem like it's just it's just not for them. Do you see what I mean? It's just, it, it, just people look at that and they go, well, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to afford to play that sport. So it becomes a little bit elitist just gradually. Yeah, but I mean, so that's a concern that I, I sort of have about the sport. You know that it that it's that it's that it's going it's heading a little bit that way. There are there are lots of people operators that I've spoken to in the UK. When I say lots, not many actually, but some who were determined to not let that happen, um, to give juniors access to the courts, to give you know, the community programs, get kids in from local schools, uh, and all that kind of thing. But not many.
Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that that it will be an accessible sport because uh when you see let's say the Swedish model and that they they have 7000 courts but they're closing quite a few down and and they got rid of tennis courts to put up paddle courts cuz the demand was too big and then after after like the honeymoon period they they just had some some issues. Yeah, well, look, um we can go on for days. I know we could because we're we're talking the same language and I'm not talking about English but more like the love for sports and the love for racket sports. Uh but we need to um we need to really get together as well. Hopefully have a game once you once your uh, elbow is sorted and um and I always say to everyone but but I I especially mean it for you that you have an open invitation to Bristol. So whenever whenever you want to see all the courts, you'll have a you'll have a fairly well-known guide um and and then we can just go around and 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 we can have a, a great article about the the boom in in Bristol yeah thank you Dennis I may well take you up on that invite let's do that thank you Mike it was great to chat you too <laughs>